Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Listen, you're hearing this after the 4th of July, but you know what? When I was compiling the stories and news items for this episode, a theme really came to me. And I just thought, gosh, what timing, what great planning. The theme of this week's episode is freedom. All of the things that I'm going to be talking about are various forms of freedom. I'm going to be talking about love after lockup. I'm going to be talking about the Duggars. I'm going to be talking about Brittany. All different forms of freedom. So let's talk about the first thing, which is me. Free me. Free me. I'm not going to say which um, platform, but it rhymes with Snapple. And they have really been on some hater shit. I don't know. You guys, I am like Android all day long. I don't have a single Apple product. I don't have a MacBook, nothing. So I'm not really in this whole mindset that like Apple is the end all be all when it comes to the internet. And here's why. Well, there are a lot of reasons why, but another reason why is that apparently the Apple podcast updates is like completely fucked and they don't put out podcasts in the proper form that they used to. I don't know. You guys, I mean, most of you guys listen to me on Apple podcasts. So when Apple podcasts decides that they're just like, "Mm, yeah, I mean, we see that you uploaded an episode, but LOL. LOL. We'll let you know if we get around to actually recognizing that it's out there in the internet. Um, It fucks me over. And then it kind of fucks you guys over because you don't get to listen to me. And that's really a treat. And I know that it is. Okay. Um, So hopefully you're even able to listen to this. I had to go to great lengths to release the uh, Beverly Hills in New York recap. I was fiddling around and diddling around so much. I don't know what I did. So hopefully I don't have to do it again because I I don't know what I did. So (laughs) Um, anyway, let's talk about the episode as I've been doing for the past few weeks. Started off with our new segment, Girl. And they're really 
everybody in this episode is a girl, but I'm going to start off with the Duggars and really more TLC. So it was announced that just a few days ago, by the way, in terms of Josh Duggars, um, court proceedings or his trial that was set to um, begin on July 6th. He, that lucky, nasty motherfucker, was able to get a extension or whatever you call it on his situation. So his trial actually is not going to be starting until November instead of Wednesday like it was supposed to. So, you know, everybody, every man, every man out there just knows how to manipulate the court system, don't they? I'm not even going to talk about that um, infamous television father who was able to get out and sneak across and just like slither around and leave pudding stains all over. And we're supposed to act like, oh, it's so great that this monster is free when he really just got off on a technicality because of the court system. You know, just what a failure, what a failure all around and what a failure to every woman. What a just like a spit in the face, anybody who's ever been abused and who tried to seek justice for their abuser. Like how dare they? The courts should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Felicia Rashad. Wow. Wow, Felicia. Wow. Bye, Felicia. The final bye, Felicia, has been brought down from on high. And that one goes to Felicia Rashad for being, oh, girl, girl. I said I wasn't going to talk about this, and yet here we go. Anyway, let me talk about the original girl, TLC slash The Duggars. Now, it had been announced on, gosh, what day was this? It doesn't matter. A few days ago, it was announced that Counting On was finally canceled. Now, this was the second inter- iteration, or maybe even the third, if you want to get technical, of the, you know, Duggar television TLC franchise, right? They announced that they were going to cancel the show basically because of Josh, which is what they had to do the first time it came out that he was a nasty, perverted pedophilic psychopath nasty boy so of course we all know the show used to be called 17 slash 18 slash 19 kids accounting it ran until 2015 when all that news about josh touching his sisters um and the family friend came out it got canceled not really canceled but sort of repackaged into jill and jessa counting on and it was going to be about jill and jessa and their point you know at that point in their lives they were uh you know about to get married expecting the whole deal and then it kind of evolved into uh the older girls and the older siblings getting married and courting and babies blah 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 just like a wave season after season of boring boring oh my gosh this is the first kiss oh my gosh now we're gonna have a baby now we're gonna have another baby now we're gonna have another baby now we're gonna have another baby oh great who's pregnant now who's needs a haircut because their hair died about 17 inches ago and you know uh who's lovingly gazing into their betrothed eyes this now or this time um so boring the show was boring boring and really should have been canceled on the strength of it just being boring 
frankly, but um, it got canceled because, like I said, because of Josh. So they said in a statement that they TLC feels it's important to give the Duggar family the opportunity to address their situation privately. A few of the older kids like Ginger and Jeremy, for some reason, you know, wrote statements talking about how, uh, you know, uh, things are things we look forward to seeing what's going to happen in the future and blah, 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 blah. It took a few days for Jim, Bob and Michelle to um, make a statement of their own, probably because Michelle was too busy. I don't know, uh, just rubbing self tanner on her face and just shaking and smiling in a corner to absolutely nobody. Um, because what is she going to do now? Raise her own kids? Oh, no. <laughs> what a terror. Um, so they wrote just, you know, blah, blah, blah. We know our love will only continue to multiply and we're so full of deep gratitude for the love shown to us and the prayers of so many who have sustained us both now and through the years we look forward to all the new adventures and endeavors that may come to our way and they thank the film crew and we look forward to discovering what's next for our family and sharing more for you all along the way now a lot of the older kids have kind of pivoted into youtuber status they're not really successful i mean truthfully no they're not like a typical youtuber right they they're weird right (laughs) these kids are not really of the world they're not really clued in so they kind of have an idea of what it is to be a youtuber but something despite the fact that they have been on tv for years and should know what is entertaining they fail time and time again so i don't know what these kids are gonna do I don't know what the family is going to do. I don't really care about Jim, Bob, and Michelle. But I, you know, feel sorry for the rest of the family, some of whom were victims of Josh, that they're in a situation now where they can't have a livelihood because of their brother's continued fuck-ups and... That part is a real bummer. Like, is the show good? No. No. (laughs) Do they really need to be on air? No. No. But I just feel for these girls who have no life skills, no formal education, no even non-formal education, really. Um, They have been relying on these checks that daddy Jim Bob hands out to them based on who is nicest to him, I'm sure. And it it just makes me sad for those people who are really now left with nothing because of situations and circumstances that are not under their control and that they were victims to, you know? So that, that's a real bummer for them, but not that's it. That's where the bummer lies. Ends. That's where the bumming ends. The bummer ends. Should I just stop stalking? Yeah, I think I should. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something that I is actually like LOL to me. For y'all who are Married at First Sight Atlanta fans, this one's for you. To the shock of absolutely nobody, Eric and Virginia had announced that they are getting a divorce. Eric is the one who filed. Now, the rumors had been going on. I mean, nobody thought this couple was going to make it, right? Not a single one of us thought that they were going to make it. 
Eric was a controlling, conservative dickbag. Virginia, probably not ready for a relationship, really, but she wasn't, to me, Virginia was not really the problem, you know? It it was always Eric for me. Um, So, they had been one of the couples from the Atlanta season who had gotten to go to, you know, I don't the big leagues, if you will. And by the big leagues, I mean the couples cam spinoff in which couples from the d- different seasons get to, I don't watch couples cam. So I, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of like a people's couch or goggle box situation where they're watching the current season or maybe that was, maybe that's a different show, but they also, it's sort of like a reality show of like what they're all up to. So you see what their lives are like now. Um, so Eric and Virginia had been one of the couples along with Brent, Vincent and Brianna from Atlanta season who had decided to stay together, got to be on couples cam. So I, my mom watches the show and she's the one who hyped me onto this is that, um, she was like, oh, I noticed in the last couple of episodes that Virginia and Eric had not been on. And I thought that was very strange. And then rumors started flying that they were not together, blah, blah, blah. Um, Virginia then posted on her Instagram stories, a picture of her, she and Eric on the beach, their, you know, typical couple pose. And on that, she says, <laughs> Excuse me, you guys. So in that picture, she says, social media can be very toxic. And for that reason, Eric and I decided a few weeks ago to take back our relationship. Excuse me. Eric and I decided a few weeks back to take our relationship off social media. We did a very public experiment and appreciate all the support, but are currently enjoying some privacy. Please be respectful of that. And remember to always be kind Two heart emojis. Um, so two hours later, People figured out that Eric had filed for divorce that same day. So while she's acting like, oh, we're fine. We're just deciding to, you know, like we had been on this show and like the just social media had gotten so toxic, you know, not every other part of our relationship. And so we decided to like let you ungrateful bitches not get clued into what's going on with us. And we're just like in love and living life and so happy, blah, blah, blah. So no, no. She had posted two pictures since the uh, show ended, both of which she's hiding her hand, her ring finger hand. And I noticed that she in comments was like, oh, people were asking. She was on vacation, I guess, with Haley, if I'm not mistaken. And people were asking, where's Eric? And she's like, oh, you know, he's at home with the dogs, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. In the divorce documents, it claims that Eric and Virginia had been living separately as early as April. And the really reason why they were unable to disclose the situation um, was because they were contractually obligated to be on the couples cam. So Chris, the worst Patty Milt looking in the face, most toxic by far person cast member of of uh married at first sight that i've ever had the displeasure of seeing he had something to say now over the season of married at first sight chris had had issues with eric 
and Virginia for various reasons that really have a lot to do with his ego and them defending her. But then it got a little weird because Eric is very, uh, mm, uh, Keep America great, if you will. And things got a little dicey. But generally speaking, they kind of got off because um, Chris is just so thoroughly a terrible person in every sense of the word that it really, you tended to be on their side. So not that anybody was rooting for them. to. I mean, there were some people that were rooting them to get to stay together. I was not one of them. Anyway, so Chris had some things to say because he's petty, he has poor impulse control, and he just can't, he just like revels when people are in their downfall. Now, now like I'm hearing myself and I'm saying like, Kara, do you maybe mirror those same um, opinions and feelings? And I would say, yeah, probably, but I'm also an objectively much better person than Chris. So... I feel better about that. No edits and no revisions. Thank you. Um, So Chris, like I said, said he wrote on his own Instagram story. um, (laughs) What happened to the condo and the cats? Y'all hated a real upfront dude, but fell in love with actors just because they filled fulfilled your fantasy of real love it's bs it was a bad match but we don't want to talk about that and then he talks about there was a part where they got into it um at an atv outing that they did and he said what happened to the great advice y'all had at the atv scene y'all are only staying together when you get your checks for couples cam cut it out Now, granted, like, sir, you are the last person who needs to be talking, considering how you treated your queen, your wife, whatever. But this is also very funny to me. So congrats to you, Virginia. You're finally free. We all knew this was going to happen. It was an inevitability, if there ever was one. And I'm happy for myself. I'm happy for myself. I also want to say that like, I also went and did my Googles, even though I saw the screenshots of the divorce decree or the filing, I was like, "Eh, let me just go into that little uh, Fulton County, Georgia portal and see for myself. Because the greatest thing, one of the great things about being a resident of Georgia when you're nosy or you don't even have to be a resident. One of the things that I, I realize as a resident, a former resident of Georgia is that most of the um, public, most of the records are public. So if somebody's in jail, you know, you can see the mug shots and pretty much all those things are really public. So if you really want to find out some dirt about somebody who lives in Georgia, you can do that girl. And it's fun. So I looked at his thing myself cause I'm nosy and for you guys, you know, um, and so the public records that had been on file, this was like this Fulton County Superior Court, um, were his now two divorces. The first one that we all knew about, um, uh, that he was like, oh, just, um, you know, we, I was in the military and we just got married out of necessity so she could live on the camp, whatever. Two things that I noticed. Um, one thing I noticed that the, first divorce had been contested, um, meaning that they couldn't come to terms on like, you know, what the issue was. And so they had to go to court to figure it out. The second one, as of 
the filing, I mean, granted he had filed that day, so maybe she just didn't have time, but as of that time, it had been uncontested. Um, and also I noticed that he used the same lawyer for his first divorce as the second one. And that's like, whoo, the petty within me, like that. I really enjoy that. I really, really enjoy that. So anyway, fuck you, Eric, like get out of here. Moving on to the biggest thing of all time lately anyway is of course our angel our pop princess Britney Jean Spears Ronan Farrow did us a solid and came out with just an absolute banger of an article about this whole situation you guys I will link it in the episode description you have to check out all of it but I gotta talk about some of the highlights because this is wild so the beginning of the article says running the business of Britney had become routine every Thursday at noon about 10 people responsible for managing Spears's legal and business affairs public relations and social media met to discuss merchandise deals song license requests and Spears's posts to Instagram and Twitter this is how it works without her one member of the team said Spears, according to her management, typically writes the posts and submits them to CrowdSurf, a company employed to handle her social media, which then uploads them. In rare cases, posts that raise legal questions have been deemed too sensitive to upload. She's not supposed to discuss the conservatorship, the team member said. Um, I thought that answered a great question of, like, who really is in charge of the social media of it all? Now, um... We all know that Bombshell, if you haven't listened to my special about it, it's on there. It's called As Powerful As Me. You can listen to her. Um, I didn't air like all 23 minutes of her. I just aired a snippet. But like you can listen to me break it down. You can listen to her whole um, speech from her hearing. But um, where am I going? Oh, part of her hearing is that she said, you know, I just want to go to like Hawaii. I just want to drive in the car with my boyfriend. I want to get this IUD taken out. I want to, you know, the point was like, part of it was that she said she wanted to go on vacation to Hawaii. So days after that, I think the day after that, all these, um, posts of Brittany on the beach in Hawaii allegedly started coming out and somebody, noticed i cannot remember who it was but somebody oh it was a bravo bravo ducking bravo account noticed that she had been in a red bikini um on the beach and basically they had put two and two together and figured out that she had probably that those videos that had been posted currently as though she's currently in maui were pictures or videos from September of 2020. So it obviously these people have a handle on her social media. Obviously um, she does not control it. It's highly monitored and it's manipulative. I, in my opinion, because some of these posts, a lot of these posts make Brittany look unwell and like somebody who is a little bit manic perhaps and just somebody who's there's something not right happening there so that is like the first thing that truly disgusted me that really really hit it for me these people are intentionally possibly making her look bad and unfit to care for her own self 
And to make it worse, these are people that she is paying. Imagine paying somebody who is essentially making you look crazy to everyone, the whole world. Unbelievable. Um, the article goes on to say on the eve of the hearing, the one that Brittany did, um, according to both a person close to Spears and to a law enforcement in Ventura County, California, where Brittany lives, she called 911 to report herself as a victim of conservatorship abuse. Um, the article goes on to say that emergency calls in California are generally accessible to the public, but the county, citing an ongoing investigation, sealed the records of this particular call. Um, it goes on to say Robin Johnson, the court-ordered monitor who saw, Spears four, who saw Spears four times a week, said none of this was her fault. She went on. There were so many people involved in her life that caused all this craziness with her. I don't have anything derogatory to say about her. It's probably one of the saddest cases that I've ever done in my entire life. Now, it goes on to talk about the entirety, the entire timeline of how, what led up to Brittany getting a conservatorship, how they got it, what, what has been happening all this time. Let me just break it down for you just in the most simple way for those of you who has who do not have time to read this it's absolutely vile and disgusting i mean we all know the tale we all have seen the paparazzi pictures the shaved head you know the umbrella to the car we all know what happened there were several things that happened in britney's life that could seem very strongly like it was due to a postpartum situation and it here here's the thing that really fucking pisses me off fucking lynn spears oh this irks me <laughs> this really really irks me so in the article they talk about how in 2000 britney bought her mom a four million dollar mansion and sat her down and said listen your husband my father has been will always be an abusive alcoholic piece of shit. I want I bought you this house. I want you to divorce him and be free and you don't have to worry about him ever again. Now what has been happening this entire time? That little bitch, Lynn Spears. Basically essentially was freed from her abuser by her own daughter only to put her daughter back in the arms of her abuser. So she, Jamie's been, or excuse me, that Lynn has been playing this whole game of like kind of hands off, said at one point in this article, said that she um, was basically looking out for herself and wanted I guess there were talks about having her being on part of the conservatorship team, but she said, Oh no, let Jamie do it so that Brittany can be mad at him and not me. So you knew that something fucked up was going to happen and you were like, Oh, I, I'm going to just like be hands off, not care for this person who cared for me in every sense of the word. And just like literally just handing her off to your abuser. How fucked up is that? And so she's been under this conservative ship for 12 years. I, there was a point where they're talking about how, um, you know, Brittany has a probate lawyer named Sam Ingham, who's supposed to be acting as her advocate, um, that 
Britney is paying him a salary of $520,000 a year, even though her own living expenses in 2019 were about $438,360. She gets a $2,000 a week allowance, despite any sort of money, regardless of how much money she's making. There's a, an anecdote, anecdote about how um, she went out to dinner with one of her friends or um, her hairstylist, I believe, Kim Vo, who was her hairstylist up until 2012, that they had gone to dinner in Vegas and that the bill was like $1,300 or something. And Brittany looked at him and Kim and was like, I can't afford to pay my half of the bill. Imagine Britney Spears telling you that she can't afford to pay $700, basically $800 with tip. Does that sound right to you? Um, there are people alleging that at the time of the conservatorship, Britney only had a couple million dollars to her name. And so this was in the best interest because now she's worth $60 million, which doesn't make any sense. And uh, she should be worth $200 million minimum, right? minimum um that upon jamie becoming a co-conservatorship um and on a excuse me on the petition to establish the arrangement jamie or somebody working with him check the box that britney that would indicate that britney had dementia dementia get the fuck out of here um britney has been trying to get out of this conservatorship the entire time she will um, try and have secret conversations. She will try to get phones from people. She will try to, um, there's a, a part where uh, somebody said that she got a, I think it was Sam Lutfi said that he got a call from her while she was at a Ralph's in Calabasas. And then the number calls back and it's like some doctor who was like, you won't believe like Brittany just called you from my phone. Like she has been desperately trying for years to get out of this when contacted for comment one of jamie's representatives declined to answer specific questions but characterized his behavior as that of a loving father saving his daughter from possible ruin the representative who repeatedly referred to jamie as daddy objected to the idea that jamie as a churchgoer would have anything to do with um britney saying that she can't get her iud taken out like oh daddy's just daddy's just a church christian man who you know sky daddy up above is his pastor pastor whatever and here's land daddy spears helping out sweet britney and he would never as if an iud is like a disgusting thing for a father to to like almost suggesting that it's like perverted that he would do that but not in like a it's perverted that I would control my daughter's um, reproductive system. It's just like almost like a sex thing. Like he wouldn't have anything to do with her having sex. That's her daddy. Ew. There's a snippet that says as Spears privately resisted her father's involvement in the conservatorship, he used her money to fight back. Recent court documents show that Jamie's lawyers billed nearly $900,000 for four months of work from October of 2020 to February of 2021 to keep his way into that conservatorship. The bill accounts for hundreds of hours of work by the crisis PR specialists who charge between $500 and $900 an hour to respond as they claim to media requests. When contact for 
oh, like I said, this is just absolute, absolute bullshit. There are people who are coming out of the woodwork who was saying, you know, a former housekeeper saying Brittany was a good mother. She would never harm her children. She loved her children. If anything, she just wanted to spend more time with them. Um, at one point, um, this I thought was very telling. People on Spears' team suggest that further healing hearings will undermine her claims. So they're saying, you know, she's there's really something deeply unwell with her. And someone is quoted as saying, God bless her. I felt sorry for her. But at the same time, don't be telling all tall tales. The member of her team said, your problems, what was wrong with you, your shortcomings, don't keep trying to blame everyone else for it. Electric chair. The defenders of the conservatorship offer a set of similar, excuse me, a set of familiar narratives to explain her ire that Spears is being manipulated by a man at this moment, according to some, her boyfriend, with an interest um, in commandeering her fortune, and that there's grave, there is a grave medical diagnosis behind the arrangement that the public has no right to know. It's so fucking irresponsible to say, let her do whatever she wants to do, the member of her team said. No, absolutely not. Apparently, this Lou Taylor demon who has been um, in this conservatorship game for this whole time, allegedly, she's been trying to get conservatorships. I guess she's like some true I care a lot shit where she has been just going around Hollywood amongst the uh, most vulnerable of the women stars and trying to get conservatorships for them like Lindsay uh courtney love at one point um she's denying this but i call bullshit um this part about the mental health aspect and the disability aspect of it all i thought was really really insightful um it says the idea that spears needs his conservatorship to function is to some degree self-reinforcing in that respect experts said her case is common um there is a disability rights lawyer who speaks and says that many guardianships can prove inescapable which is why they are vulnerable to abuse to abuse in the extreme cases he said the strategy is to isolate medicate liquidate you isolate them medicate them to keep them quiet liquidate the assets if a conservative functions well under a conservatorship it can be framed as proof of the arrangement's necessity if a conservative struggles under the conservatorship the same conclusion can be drawn and if a conservative gets out and stumbles into a crisis or manipulation a likelihood increased by spent by time spent formally disempowered, this too might reinforce the argument for their prior legal restraints. Our mistakes make us who we are and teach us who we can be, Martinus says. Without bad choices, we can't be wholly human. And with the best of intentions, we say to people with disabilities, we'll keep you from ever making a mistake. He added, should Brittany get out, just watch. The first mistake she makes, fingers will wag, and people will say she should. this would have never happened if she were under her guardianship. And I thought that was, like, so chilling to hear that even if and when she gets out of this, at the slightest little infraction, people are going to say, oh, look, she needed this the whole time. You know, they're putting her in a position in which, like I said, like the article said, she is not allowed to be a fully formed human person who makes mistakes. And that is really, 
really sad. And how fucking dangerous is that? Where you're put in under this conservatorship and basically you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And that, my friends, is just a horrifying and sad, sad realization. Um, so I, you guys, you got to read the article if you're at all interested highly highly recommend um the last thing i want to talk about is that i'm mad at all of you guys because i am i've seen the tweets and i've heard y'all's suggestions and i decided to watch the netflix show sex life i am i want to say five episodes into the eight episode season and i'm just like I have to see it through, not because I'm a completionist, which I am, but because it's so bad that I just want to see all the ways it goes from worse to worser. And it's laughable, (laughs) I would suggest, if you are um, somebody who lives in a state where it's legal to participate in uh, the marijuana arts, if you will. Um, imbibe whatever way you ingest that and just allow yourself to be taken over by the absolute ridiculousness of this show. So for those of you who don't know, It's basically the concept is a woman having kind of a midlife crisis, a thing that would actually be really, it's a great concept where she is this girl who lived in New York and she had this life and she was out doing ho shit and living her best life and letting her nipples be exposed to any Johnny come lately that she felt like. Great. Love that for you. Love that for your nipples. We see her nipples so much, you guys. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. 
BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. You know, there's a thing where I was worried when I was going to talk about this. I'm like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a prude. Here's the thing that happens when you consume media that is so sexually forward is that it becomes very quickly, to me anyway, like annoying (laughs) and like overkill and it's not because I'm scandalized by her nipples I'm not scandalized by the fact that in my opinion whoever wrote this is like oh we're gonna make this some real feminist shit how are we gonna do this oh every guy likes to go down on her like how can we make sex seem pro-woman oh Every guy just goes down on her on every given opportunity, anytime that they can. It's just, like, laughable. Why do we have to see her titties so much? It's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm upset about them. But it's just, like, what does this have to do with the story? Why are your nipples hard all the time? So her thing is, like I said, she w- was out there being a hoe, respectfully. I mean that in, a, in a, the best way possible. She was on some hoe shit. She was meeting like loser after loser who would go down on her but not treat her well. She stumbles into this guy that we are supposed to be led to believe is hot. He is a tall Australian record producer and he wears leather jackets and he has got like blonde hair and, you know, rings on his fingers and he's rich as fuck. And it's almost like a 50 shades without the S and M, but like, he's just like really rich and he sweeps her off her feet and blah, blah, blah. And he ends up breaking her heart. So after this great heartbreak, she ends up finding the guy, right? He's hot. He is works in a field that, is generally pretty devoid of values, but he ends up being like the good guy. Um, he, it, it, whatever. He's so nice. He's so humble. He has abs that come out of nowhere. Like he had the perfect package. Right. And she marries him because he's nice to her. They end up moving to Connecticut and having this like perfect house. And she's, you know, uh, just, with her little son and her daughter whipping her nip out of her nap dress and just being in the front yard and being all kissy kissy with the kids. And then he comes home and he's in a suit and he's, you know, Oh, come on, son, let's do airplane. And I'm going to mow the lawn before it rains. But you know, she's, she wants more. She wants more for her life. And she's always thinking about Brad, by the way, you guys, the guys that she is in a love triangle with one is named Bradley and her husband, husband's name is cooper kill me (laughs) kill me here's the thing it it is so thoroughly bad (laughs) i don't know how they got this cleared and then i realized when i was looking up this oh it's canadian 
Now, I'm not going to say that it's bad because it's Canadian. It's bad and also Canadian. And the reason why they're trying to make it seem like, oh, this is New York, but it's clearly like Mississauga, (laughs) wherever they were filming. There is something like very uncanny valley about the situation. And that's what pulled it into focus as to like, part of the reason why it's bad is because the guys that we're led to believe are hot are like clearly what Canadians think that Americans think are hot and they're wrong. (laughs) Um, the girl's name is Billy. And of course she's like this very cool, sexy who doesn't need to wear makeup like just beautiful flowy haired woman and of course her name is billy because she's so cool right and she does these voiceovers y'all why the fuck does she sound like christian bale during the batman like i loved him so much i can't let him go (laughs) this is her voice oh Oh, I I just love him. Why, after all these eight years, can I let him go? Why can't I just be with Cooper? Oh, but Brad, Brad, I love him so much. He's, he, I'm part of him. And he has a B tattoo because our names both start with B's. And so he has two B's. Oh, two B's. (laughs) Tattooed on like, right on that like V area of the guy. Like two, oh kill me <laughs> so bad this is dummy fighting over a dude too he's not even hot just stay with the man who you let nutting you twice you got kids with this dude just stay with him the other guy's not even hot and on the other hand he's a fucking psycho you guys spoiler alert because i gotta talk about this one scene well Actually, let me talk about two scenes briefly. So if you truly do not want to be spoiled, move ahead. Um, Two minutes. Give me two minutes. Um, First of all, okay. The dick. That dick. (laughs) That dick. (laughs) The scene where the husband, Cooper follows Bradley into this like you know the whatever movie equivalent or the TV equivalent of an Equinox gym pays the $600 to just watch this man they end up taking you know a shower together and he Bradley turns around to reveal that he has just how long was that dig? It was like a good 10 inches and it wasn't even erect. A flaccid 10 inch dick. <laughs> and then the husband turns around and punches the wall and is like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, the other part that really pissed me off was, okay, so Billy has this friend that, like, she and her little hoe friend were doing hoe things all over the city before she found her husband, right? The girl's out there still doing her thing. Her best friend's out doing her thing. And come to find out, um, she's actually hooking up with Bradley. That big dick Bradley that her friend had been hooking up with years ago and broke her heart, right? So, Brad gets wind of Billy 
still out there. They see each other. And so Brad goes on some fucking psycho shit. And he ends up back at Billy's friend's house. So he calls her. He calls Billy from her friend's phone. And is like, oh, you said you're over me last time I hit you up. But I know that you're really not. And if you really are, then prove it to me. So he FaceTimes her, props up the phone... And proceeds to fuck her friend over FaceTime. And what does Billy do? She finds herself the closest little Eames chair and puts her hands down her pants and masturbates to her friend and her ex-fuckboy fucking each other. What? What? (laughs) Excuse the hell out of me. That is like, and you want to stay with, you were about to blow up your whole life for a guy who fucked your friend over FaceTime. Shame. Shame. Anyway, if you want to watch something that is just like so mind numbingly bad, like I highly, highly suggest that it's the worst thing. It's the worst. Um, Check it out. Okay. And with that, I'm going to let you guys go and end this with a recap of Love After Lockup, you guys. All right. Here you go. I hear correctly. Did she say she's married to two people now? Well, she's not sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) She's married to one guy, but she thinks they got divorced, but she's not positive, and she married somebody else. We got to see an attorney on all that anyway. All right, clankety-clank. Let's talk about this week's episode of Love After Lockup again. Cruising to the end of our freedom theme. This episode is about most of our prisoners getting released and what that looks like on the other side. So let's start off with, um, I guess, Courtney and Josh. So we remember Courtney and Josh. Courtney is the one who blew up her whole life and her whole career to be with this dude and went into jail for 60 days herself for dating a prisoner. And so this is the first day of, I mean, I can't really say it's the first day of the rest of their lives since they're not really allowed to live with each other past this 14 day quarantine, but it's the first day of the 14 days of their lives for sure. Um, Josh, they're in bed and Josh is like, oh, you look so beautiful. And Courtney's doing that, you know, humble woman thing of, oh, I bet I just look so terrible. And I bet my hair looks so messed up. Does it so look so messed up, babe? And he's like, well, your hair does look like it's throwing up gang signs right now. <laughs> um, so it's been, you know, probably over a decade since Josh has had sex. And they both share their opinions about the night and um, <clears throat> he says that he completely forgot the way a pussy felt. So that was an adventure for him. And he says that Courtney's a freak, which is not, I mean, look at her. You knew she'd be a freak in the bed. He said she is a nerd in the streets and a freak in the sheets. And yeah, yeah, it's written all over her face. They're planning on having, uh, you know, as romantic a dinner as you can have when, um, one is just been released from prison and the other one doesn't have a job because um she can't have the career that she had anymore so they decide to cook dinner and i will say that courtney has one thing right absolutely because she asked josh how he likes a steak prepared and he said well done and she said 
oh, you got to go. <laughs> sir, sir. I mean, granted, he says that he's used to, like, hockey puck, like, turkey patties in the prison. So, you know, what does he know? So they're sitting down for dinner, and Josh is again thanking her for building this empire while he was gone. Again, I'm not sure what empire can be built when you're not allowed to have the career that you used to have. But okay, I mean, she's got a home. I will say that. And he starts, you know, I gotta say that Josh is talking a good game. Like, he genuinely seems appreciative of the fact of all the sacrifices that Courtney has made, all the things that she has done. He seems appreciative of the fact that he has a place to go to, a home to go to. And he's like, girl, what's your one-year plan? What does that look like for you? Because he has ambitions of possibly going into landscaping. And yeah, that's about it. I mean, in a confessional, Courtney starts to cry about the things that she lost. And, you know, because of this relationship. And she said, I moved up really quickly in my career. I moved up to lieutenant and I know all that got taken away from me once they realized that that shake and go wig that I was sneaking into the prison with wasn't real. And, you know, that's really hard for me. But at the end of the day, my career doesn't mean as much to me. And I really am looking for somebody to be by my side. Now that is really sad. (laughs) I have to say now, of course, your life outside of your career should be the priority, right? Like we shouldn't prioritize our jobs over our real lives, of course. But um, I don't know if they said to blow it up quite thoroughly, as thoroughly as this, Courtney. What are you going to do? How are you going to make ends meet? Um, <clears throat> good luck. Good luck to you, sis. Good luck. Um, let's move on to... Um, I guess Brittany and Ray. Now, Brittany, last week I told y'all had been like, oh, I'm from an upper middle class family and we do so well and we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like picking this dude off of the streets, basically. And she, it's like the day before Ray's release, or excuse me, the day of Ray's release. And she's driving over to his parents' house and she's talking about how he grew up and how different it was from her and you know how she was led to believe that like he was like really on some hood shit she pulls up to his house that is i would say it's easily twice as big as her parents house so look at you boo boo the fool this girl has the nerve to be upset that his parents seemingly are doing more financially better than her parents like she's actually like well I was just led to believe that he grew up in a very different life and I just don't know like what is the truth ma'am if you don't just count your blessings and walk into this gorgeous home what what a weirdo she gets to the front door and her his parents walk up. She's got matching shirts for all of them that say, you know, there's no place like home. Welcome home, Ray. And she's like clearly doing her scan of this house and being like, dang, what the hell? <laughs> I am truly gagged at the fact that she is genuinely like 
disappointed at the fact that like did you want him to be some sort of like poverty porn for you to like lift him out of the gutter and be like oh I made this man like because that's what it's giving and it's weird for me she's introduced to the grandma apparently Ray and his grandmother have a very close um connection with one another and they all get ready so the parents go get their shirts on they come back and they're like trying to you know strategize how to go and it turns out Ray's dad wants to drive all of them so if Brittany wasn't feeling some type of way about the fact that she was about to you know potentially marry into a solidly um stable family in every sense of the word um now she's feeling some type of way because she feels you know she has known Ray for nine months okay she's not met him on the outside they don't have like that person-to-person real-world interaction with each other just been chatting with each other for the past nine months now she's feeling some type of way because she has to drive with the family and she was like oh I thought that we would get to um I go to the hotel to for with each other and go to the uh go out to eat and you know just have our private moment but now I got to be with his family and uh, I got to ride with them and it's like again I just like what's not clicking with you Brittany you should be over the moon over the moon that this man has a solid foundation and a home to go to parents that seem like they've got their shit together a grandmother that he's close to like you're mad that he comes from a nice family it's like i i can't wrap my mind around it i really can't thank god for ray's grandmother they get her in a you know little side interview and she's like I'm kind of wondering what's up with this person, meaning Brittany. I'm kind of wondering what's up with this person that you have to go to prison to find a mate. If you have all these things going for you, why can't you find a man out here? You know what I mean? Great question, Grandma. Great question. Number one on the board. Um, So they're told that Ray is going to be dropped off at like some bus station, gas station situation. So they all get out of the car. Like I said, they're in their matching shirts and they're waiting for him. Van pulls up. Out comes Ray. He does not acknowledge them. Like he clearly sees his family, not a wave, not a chin up. Uh, hey, what's up? A stranger across the street sort of thing. Nothing. He gives them nothing. He walks into a building. He walks out of the building gets back into the van and the van drives off. And now Brittany is over here looking stupid in a matching shirt with his family. They're like, Brittany's thinking, oh, if he doesn't hug me first and I'm going to feel bad because, you know, I should be the priority. Why? I'm not sure. But you're not, you're not getting anything. You're not even getting a wink. So how'd that go I guess that's a cliffhanger we'll see what the hell happened with Ray (laughs) and if his ass went back to jail I guess we'll see all right let's move on to Rachel and Doug Rachel is the 410 tower of terror and Doug is her verbally abusive prison pal um it's the day until Doug's release or one day until Doug's release and 
Rachel's packing up and getting ready for all the things that he wants. I didn't mention this, but in the premiere episode, she tells us that Ray's, excuse me, that Doug's requests were for the four B's. Boobs, boobies, excuse me. Let me, let me be specific. He said boobies, boobies, um, beer, non-alcoholic beer, um, bologna and blowjobs. No real indication as to which um, order of operation those should go through, but I guess that's up to Rachel to find out what which one that is. So she's packing up in a cooler the first two bees, the bologna and the non-alcoholic beer. And um, it's worth mentioning that this is not like your standard let's go to the grocery store and get a packet of Oscar Mayer, um, those circle things. Not even a family pack. She went to... I don't know, like, where you even get these. Costco, I'm assuming by the size. Some sort of, like, prison food wholesale at farmer's market. I'm not sure. But she got tubes of bologna. And I'm not talking, like I said, not the cookie, not the pre-made cookie tubes that you can get from Pillsbury. I'm talking a tube... I don't even know what to compare it to. Uh, the size of like a, a child's leg. It is the size of like a five-year-old leg. <laughs> I think she said it was nine pounds. Nine pounds of a tube of bologna. And she got two of those. Bitch disgusting. Sir, I know you have been institutionalized. I know that your palate has not been refined. That you've not had the opportunity. But tubes of bologna dog it's much better out here and love yourself just love yourself out of these tubes of baloney so then rachel gets in the car and she's on her way and she starts talking about how you know even though doug has been in jail since i think since he's 17 and i believe him to be 29 at this point um that she just like doesn't know how doug could possibly fail He's going to be coming into a different town, a totally different environment. And she's just like, I just don't know how he could fail. Okay. But then right after that, she gets on a phone call with him and tells him about his parole stipulations. Like basically he can only be out between the hours of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. on the weekdays, on the weekends. He can't go anywhere. Can't do shit. Doug starts getting all huffy and puffy and hot under his onesie and is like, oh, I'm going to need to have a different kind of parole officer. I can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Sir, sir, you got a whole um, grip of baloney to go through. You're going to be plenty busy. He also wants to have sex at a hotel. I don't know what it is about inmates, specifically the inmates on this show and hotel sex. I'm not sure. Maybe it's because usually the, their lovers don't live as close to the correctional office and so they have to go to a hotel before they can drive to their home the next day. I don't know. But it's a whole thing. He's pissed that he can't have prison sex or, excuse me, hotel sex, whatever. So it's finally the big day. Rachel gets dressed up like a middle school teacher, the kind of middle school teacher that like, you're like, damn, that girl's a bitch. I hate her. You can tell it's like, she's younger, but she's not fun. She's probably going through her first divorce, but like, you don't know that because you're 12 and it's just like, damn, she's got bad energy, negative energy. Why is she always like, ugh, 
grading our, our shit so hard. We'll never get graded on a curve. She's so finicky. She says shit that she, you know, just one of those like teachers. It's just like, damn, why are you teaching? You know, one of those. Um, but we find out the reason why she's dressed up that way is because Doug, of course, because Doug told her to, because Doug tells her to do everything because he's a weird ass manipulative, uh, alpha male trying to be, uh, jackass basically. So he told her that he wanted her to show up to the, uh, prison dressed conservatively, but with no panties on. 
they go back to her car, she reveals that child side leg full of baloney, and he takes that log, bites it open. Because you know how, like, on those tubes, they have, like, the, um, it, like, twists at the end, and then it's got the, the metal, like, kind of like a staple that holds it together. So he bites the end off with his teeth and then rips off the end of the packaging, takes a car or he asks uh, Rachel to get uh, this thing, to get a card out of the back of my pocket. So she gets a card like, I don't know, like an ID card or like a credit, it's not a credit card, I'm sure, but like, I'm sure it's his ID card. So she hands him the card and he takes the card to cut off the end of the baloney takes a huge chunk of the little slice that he cut off and then puts it in her mouth. Oh, and that's him being in a different mindset for the real world. No, 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 no. Anyway, let's move over to Nicole and Deontay. Deontay are just horrifically horny man who loves a blonde bombshell and Nicole, who's very clearly um, trying to figure out how to get herself out of this relationship. So last we saw them, it was, um, you know, bottles of red wine and a thousand dollars cash celebrating right outside of the prison compound. And so they get in the car and they're going, the plan is to go to Nicole's mom's house, you know, check in with her, visit with her, and then they're going to have their first night alone. So on the car and on the car ride there, Deontay tells Nicole, Hey, grab the bag in the back of the car. I got more stuff for you. She's like, Oh my God, I already have a titty full of a thousand dollars. And I just can't believe what more you can have for me. Of course, you know, the signature of every excessively horny man who is not actually good at sex buying something for his girlfriend when he buys it. And now I'm sorry, this might be a harsh truth for you guys. And maybe you're going to disagree with me and you're free to do so. But I feel like the calling card of an excessively horny man who is not good at bed is that he buys lingerie from Victoria's Secret Pink. And that's the exact bag that we saw. And I just feel very strongly about that. Again, if you disagree, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. But like one day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, damn, she was right. And I'll be here for you. And I'll be here for you to support you. So she pulls out the first thing, which was the first thing was a couple of watches. And then, of course, underneath is a pile of lingerie. And the first thing she says was, what are we going to do with this? Because you can look, I'll show it to you with it on, but you can't touch. So Nicole's thing is that she's been in prison for four years. She has not touched anybody. She is not used to it. She has a lot of anxiety. And so she wants to ease into the physical parts of the relationship, AKA it's not going to happen. And she will be using that lingerie on somebody else for sure. Soon, very soon. Um, so Deontay's all like pressed because she said, she tells us and she tells him, we already had this conversation. You knew that this wasn't going to be like you hitting it on the first night. Now, Deontay is being like 
kind of nice guy-ish about this whole thing. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just take the L on this one. So they pull up to her mom's house, Nicole's mom's house. And he's like, okay, let's go. She's like, oh, no, no, no. You stay in the car. Like, just basically drop me off. Like, I'll just go in by myself. And he's like, what? (laughs) And she's like, oh, yeah, well, I just want you to meet my mom. I want the first time you meet my mom to be really special. Okay. Okay. So she takes all the shit all the money that he gave her and is like, okay, love you. See you tomorrow. Bye. And skips on over to her mom's house, gives her mom a big old hug. Didn't really seem to have any anxiety about that. And she's having a great time. I guess she and her mom had like a rocky situation. They were close and then they were not close, but like now they're on better footing with each other. And she gets real comfortable, gets up in her bed, puts her robe on. She's got the hair um, up and I think they made her fake that because she still had on makeup. I mean, I don't know, but anyway, um, oh, by the way, shout out to the person who told me, oh, how they put on makeup in prison. Let me go back and find this comment because I was like, so grateful to you, girl. Pause. Okay. Um, not sure of your name, but you left a comment that said that you make jail foundation with coffee for the tent and baby powder. If it's county jail, excuse me, coffee for the tent and baby powder. If it's county jail, if it's actual prison, they are allowed makeup, nothing good, just stuff you can get at dollar general. Um, then she says that she's seen girls sneak in fingernail polish in their quote unquote jail purse. Wink, wink. You said Google it. I knew what that was girl. (laughs) I I knew one thing. Um, and that some of the girls who were doing weekends, like they would come up every other weekend and, and the girls would bring stuff. So yeah. Um, she also says that she knew a girl that would coffee stain her face. And I guess it got so bad that she had to get a chemical peel after she was released to get it off. So be careful ladies. So like I said, Nicole's posted up in bed looking real comfortable and she's sitting there on her phone and we see what the phone says and it's like, hey, um, I'm out. Let's go kick it with each other. And that name on the contact is uh, somebody named Zach. And Zach is texting back like, oh, for real, you're really out. When can I see you? I want to see you as soon as possible. Let's get together. And in a voiceover, Nicole's saying like, hey, pimping ain't easy like just because i'm with deontay doesn't mean i can't talk to other people and have fun i know that's right um that's about it from them so let's finish with stan and lisa so lord stan the old man and lisa his princess um stan's friend dash comes over and stan opens the door with wigs in tow um, and then puts them on the kitchen table to display to his friend the wigs that he got for Lisa in case she looks actually like a boy like she's been claiming she has or does. Um, so she happens to call while he's sitting there kicking it with Dash and she's like, oh, you know, I'm just reading my Bible right now. And they're talking about her brother because last episode she was calling Stan to possibly get him to bail her brother out because he had some wild police chase and 
he's like, well, what's going on now? She's like, honestly, like, I think he might just need to stay in jail, sober up, figure out what he's doing. Because she said that it took the cops 10 spikes to stop him from speeding off and trying to evade them. And she's like, you know what? When you're in jail like that, you either find God or you find the man below. And so he needs to figure that out. So Stan is trying to do this like white knight thing of, you know, Lisa's parents, Lisa's family doesn't care for her. And I'm going to be the one to take up that role. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, dude. And, um, then Lisa says, I'm not even sure which name to go by when I get out. And Dash and I are both like, now what does that mean, Stan? So <laughs> it's possible <laughs> that Lisa might be committing um, bigamy or whatever the woman equivalent of bigamy is. So um it's she may or may not be legally married to more than one gentleman and so when she says I don't know which name to go by she's like it's because I'm married to two guys so Stan's like why don't you just go by your maiden name she's like yeah I probably should because I don't think I have any felonies under that name (laughs) so anyway Stan gets off the phone and Dash is like oh what the fuck do you mean she's got multiple names what the fuck do you mean that she has multiple husbands? So he's kind of vague about the situation. He just says, you know, she married one guy. She thinks that she divorced him, but she's not entirely sure. She married another guy. We're just going to have to go to the lawyer and figure it all out. So finally, it's the day of Lisa's release. And Stan makes sure to pack all the wigs just very in a very like Kim Zolciak way in which you keep the wig on the headstand and buckle it into the back seat of the car. Um, Stan pulls up to the prison and he has the nerve. Stan, who pulled up to the prison in a brown suede suit jacket, blazer, um, a black button down shirt, his like strongest gel hold on that helmet of a hair that has dyed very poorly and he has the nerve to pull up to the prison and say that it looks cheesy sir you're wearing glasses that look like they came from the iced tea for csi for ray-ban collection so maybe let's like you know be careful about what we're calling cheesy and unfashionable let's just be careful stan because let's look in the mirror really um He's walking around, he's pacing, he's talking about well, it's cold, and he's walking around the parking lot, and it's 15 minutes, and then we finally get crotchety Stan. I knew this was going to happen. So, you know, Stan has been, like, sort of even-keeled this whole time, but I know between watching this show and 90 Day Fiance, these men, especially when they're older, they can go from zero to aggro real quick, and it's like then you realize these are the moments that you're with, like your old, angry, cranky dad. So he, 15 minutes go by, 30 minutes go by. He's talking about how they're cutting into my time now. And couldn't they have called me to let me know that she was going to be later and blah, blah, blah. And the episode ends on a cliffhanger of somebody coming out of the building, but we don't see who it is. Of course, we saw in the preview for next episode that he does 
meet up with somebody who does look like they have very short hair. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see um, that she was in fact telling the truth about potentially having a boy haircut. That is it for last week's or this week's episode. And I have to end this recap and also the episode with an RIP memorial to our girl Tracy from the first couple of seasons of Love After Lockup. Y'all know her of Tracy of Clint and Tracy. Unfortunately, it has been reported that she passed away on July 1st. Even more sad news on top of that is that she had a baby a week prior to her passing. So this was not Clint's baby. I think it's been confirmed that she had another boyfriend. Clint, I think, has another girlfriend. I believe she and Clint had an amicable relationship, or at least she had an amicable relationship with Clint's girlfriend. And it's just very, very sad that things happened that way. I don't think any information has been released, but Um, You know, just RIP to you, Tracy. You really brought it on the show. You seemed like you really were a nice lady and you really, it was just sad to watch her struggle with addiction. And I'm, yeah, it's just, just very, very sad that things happen that way. So sorry to end it on a sad note, you guys, but um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if Apple Podcast feels like working, um, then I would very much appreciate it. Okay, well.